Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Did you hear that Columbia University has hired a murderer to be on staff? A professor that is to lecture students on societal values. The conservative U.S. news media has gone wild. They are as incredulous as I am to ponder this unbelievable event. I know that universities like to think of themselves as free thinkers, as bastions of change and invention. But is this hiring taken their prerogative too far? I think so. I wonder what you think. I believe I heard that the individual had been in prison. She had been involved with a gang of outlaws that had killed a couple of policemen in an armed robbery years before. In one sense, then, as being in prison, now released, she had paid her debt to society. Does the jail term that she served then expunge her past, making her eligible for returning to any role in society? In many ways, I suppose it does. Unfortunately, however, I believe that while the originating concept was that convicts will be made whole through serving their sentence and can return to normal life when released from prison, the reality seems to be, I believe, that prison only allows many convicts to hone their skills with professionals who share their prison home. Rehabilitation is really a dream rarely realized in the real world. As a parent, I would be quite uncomfortable knowing my daughter was attending classes whose professor was a woman who spent time in prison because she took the lives of two people who had their own families whilst committing armed robbery, regardless of the fact that she may have served time in prison for her crime. Maybe the professor can personally declare the error of her ways and how crime doesn't pay with good allegedly wholesome platitudes, but in my heart, I won't ever know if she means it or not. Better to avoid the possibility, if you ask me. I know this is harsh, and some will take issue with the stand. Just don't let my daughter be exposed to this risk, please. Prejudicial or not, I wonder what Columbia will do after all the news flash. Probably they'll weather the storm until the news moves on to another news story and everybody forgets. the sun where to stand in the morning who told the ocean you can only come this far and you show the moon where to hide till evening whose words alone can catch a falling star well i know my redeemer lives 
justify Let this life in me cry And I know my Redeemer lives The very same God that's been things in orbit Runs to the weary, the worn and the weak And the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken They conquer death to bring me victory Thinking some more about the Columbia situation, people as usual form two separate groups. One group will feel as I do and challenge the action taken by Columbia and declare it as wrong. The other group will take the opposing view and like I heard a news commenter say, she paid her debt. If she's qualified, she should have the job. Good for Columbia for offering her the job. For my opinion, in days gone by, the chances are good, from what I understand of the situation, that she would have been put to death, because the death penalty existed in most, if not all, states at the time. 
and more recent lenient world in which we live and becoming pro progressively more lenient, murderers are given life sentences, except perhaps for the most horrific crimes when there is attached no possibility for parole. Thinking about this, for me at least, reveals the awful truth that we are unable to deal with ultimate truth. God himself is the author of truth. He alone can see the entire picture from beginning to end. His truth does not involve, as Mr. Obama's position on gay marriage, doesn't evolve. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter or depend on who says it, where it applies, which age or year that we happen to live in. Right is always right. No shadow of meaning, no twisted and warped by good lawyers. So I come back to the first, the only source of everlasting truth from eternity past to eternity future is God. Our ability to understand and see truth is from God, and at this time from his revealed word, the Holy Bible. No wonder the secular progressives of the world are trying their best to discredit and destroy the Bible. We must rally together in support of the Bible, then we will protect the truth as far as we can.
And now with this message for today, here's our pastor, Alan Lee. Good morning, and a blessed Mother's Day greetings to all mothers. I pray that you will truly rejoice and be glad in this day that the Lord has made for you. I trust that all of you will have a truly blessed celebration as you rejoice, as the psalmist says, with the fruit and reward of your womb, and that today you will experience Experience the joy of having your children rise up and call you blessed. So be blessed today, beloved. Have a terrific Mother's Day. Sila. Now, I want to continue with our exposition of the Epistle of Jude. This is the third message in the series we have entitled, The Church in an Age of Apostasy. And we've given a subtitle to it, Fight Faithfully for the Truth. Now, in our previous messages, we looked at verses 1 through 3, in which we emphasized the point that the term faith in verse 3, where Jude exhorts the Christian to contend earnestly for the faith, refers to the word of God, the whole counsel of God. Now, in verse 4, Jude begins to describe the opposition to this word, those we must contend with or those we must fight faithfully against. Verse 4 says, and I quote, Certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality, and they denied Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. End of quote. Notice, these are the men whom the apostles and Jesus have warned us about long ago, including their just condemnation. Jude says, they have secretly slipped in among you. Slipped in where? Into the local church, into the local assembly. This is exactly what Paul had warned years ago. How did they do it? They did it secretly or subtly, just as the apostle Paul said they would. But the point is, these people who fight against the word of God, they are inside the local church itself. They are a part of the body who assemble Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Now, as we will see, some of them are not actually true Christians, but they are only hypocrites, feigning to be so. They are wolves in sheep clothing. Amazingly, then, that's where the major problems of the church will arise in these last days, in these days in which we are living. The problem will arise from within the church itself, not from without. And it will be given by men who claim to be godly and by men that many in the church so describe them to be. Now, notice this. Jude is very specific and very graphic in his description of these men. He says they are godless men, ungodly men who claim to be godly. These are men who have secretly, under false pretenses, crept in or sneaked into the church. It's intentional. It is planned by these individuals. This means that they do not appear to be ungodly when they first sneak in, but they are ungodly nonetheless. And they will soon show their true colors. That's what Jude is implying. 
Why? Because notice what they said. Eventually, they changed the grace of God into a license for immorality, and they denied Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And in the context, it means denying him by denying his word, by not listening to his word, by rejecting his word, and therefore they deny Jesus Christ himself. They deny by their immoral actions and lifestyle the Lord Jesus Christ as well as the Bible, the word of God. They live immoral lives while preaching the gospel and while faithfully attending all the services and functions of the church, some even in the pulpit. But now here is Jude's point. Such a lifestyle itself is an attack on the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. It's an attack on the fundamentals of the gospel. In other words, it's not just teaching the doctrine that is an attack on the faith once and for all delivered to the saints, but even an ungodly lifestyle, a hypocritical lifestyle, is also an attack against the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We must not forget that, my friends. The church, then, must not allow such godless activities by individuals to continue by godless men who nonetheless profess to be godly. And so those who oppose the gospel and do harm, I say again, are not only those who preach false doctrines, but also those who live contrary to the teachings of the word of God. And although Jude focuses on immorality, elsewhere the apostles also teach that selfishness, greed, jealousy, divisiveness, and carnality are also behaviors and actions that oppose the word of God. As Paul states it, they do it so that the word of God will be dishonored. They live a lifestyle that does not honor the word of God. Paul dealt with this kind of twisted thinking in his letter to the Romans, chapter 6, where he asks and answers this question. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? You see, there were those who professed to be Christians but said, if it were true, as Paul was teaching, that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, then the more I sin, the more I will allow God's grace to abound in my life. So my abounding in sin, they said, will actually glorify God. Paul puts an end to this twisting of the word of God by saying, and I paraphrase loosely, he says this, No way, Jose, if you think and act that way, you have not really been saved in the first place. You have not died with Christ to the old way of life. You still have sin dominating over your lifestyle. My friends, this is what these godless men were doing and teaching in the local church. Jude says this is an attack against the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Not only that, they were denying the Lord who purchased them by his blood. True believers then must ardently, aggressively, and earnestly contend against such attacks of the word of God and the person of Christ. We must not allow ourselves to be absorbed by the mores and philosophy of godless society and culture and simply excuse such behavior as a sign of the times 
or without the cop-out excuse that Christians are human too. We cannot go that way, my friends, in this day in which we're living. God wants us, both as individual believers and as local churches, to be pure in life, because that is what the faith once for all delivered to the saints teaches, that we should be holy even as God is holy, that we should flee fleshly lusts. Because, my friends, if the church is not pure, how can we preach against impurity? If preachers are not moral in their own lives, how can we preach against immorality? If members are not moral in their own lives, how can they teach others or be involved in leadership positions? We must contend against such practical attacks against the faith and against Jesus Christ himself. We must aggressively resist those who teach and practice such godless doctrine. This is Jude's pressing message then, and it is also the message for today. That's the message that the Holy Spirit impressed upon him to impress upon us in this 21st century. And this is the message that God has impressed upon my heart, I believe, to impress upon you as well. May God grant that we hear and pay heed to that message. And so then, Jude is teaching the faith is not just something to which we give mental or intellectual consent to. It's a way of life to which we commit ourselves. It is a spiritual culture that both transcends and even confronts the culture of a fallen world and also against those who are carnal in their lifestyle. Believers must contend for that faith by living righteously and resisting those who live unrighteously while preaching righteousness. Jude is teaching that spiritual ruin, especially in the area of morality, automatically follows the corruption of biblical truth. He's also saying that if we are going to be able to guard ourselves from those who teach and practice such ungodly behavior, we must know their characteristics. We must know what they are like. His words, therefore, provide a standard by which we can objectively judge or evaluate professed ministers of the gospel today, but who in actual practice deny the true faith and the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Jude begins by describing them in this way, and he gives some illustrations to principles of moral corruption. He gives the descriptions in verses 5 through 11. And in doing so, he actually gives us a brief history lesson. In fact, he uses history as our teacher. He begins with the example of the Hebrew or Jewish people in verse 5. This is what verse 5 says. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Now remember, he just called some of his people. He delivered his people out of Egypt, but later he destroyed those from amongst his people who did not believe. My friends, Jude is a good teacher. He's using the method of review and application. Most of the apostles use this method. Paul used it when he said, I want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Jude used the method when he said, Remember the things from which you have fallen. I am convinced that one of the greatest tragedies of the people of God today is the forgetfulness of biblical truth, forgetting what they have been taught 
are known concerning the Word of God. That, I believe, is the reason why the Word of God is not applied in lives and not respected and regarded as it should be today. We forget it almost as soon as we have heard it. James speaks specifically about this in his epistle in James 1, 23-25, when he says that we should not be only hearers of the Word, but doers, because it is the doers who are blessed and not the hearers only. Now, we're going to look at these verses, but we just don't have time today. We'll have to pick it up at this point next time. Until then, this is Pastor Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every listening moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. in a moment.